Sometimes you gotta. I'm, in, I'm impressed by the length of the show, but not the girth of the show. <laughs> It'll get in, but. Can you hear this fucking be... bird, by the way? This what? Bird. A bird has been singing for the last hour. Uh, I, I have not been able to hear it. It's right outside my window, driving me bonkers. Yeah, I haven't been picking it up. Oh, man. Hope it's not coming through in the edit. I was going to say, yeah, hopefully didn't pick it up on your end. But if I if I couldn't hear it, then I don't think it'll be an issue. It's just a bird going, whoo, 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 whoo. It's like an owl. That sounds like an owl. It's not an owl. This is the Internet's Worst Gaming Podcast. I'm your host, Loki Jarson. Uh, here with me again today, Joe Sizzy. How you doing? I'm doing well, Loki. Seems like we were just here not too long ago. Yeah, this is a little faster than the last one, and hopefully shorter. Crosses all my fingers and probably my toes. Uh, well, there's, it, it's shaping up to be a better year in gaming. God, you hope so. So, so. Far, so far, we've had some good ones, and so far we've had some ones. Yeah, yeah but, so... Uh, We'll talk about that later. The, the game we've been, I was not anticipating to talk about, but certainly anticipating to play. Uh, Hogwarts Legacy from WB Games. Unfortunately, the disc is all the way over there, and I'd have to get up and look at it. So do you have it nearby? Avalanche made it, right? Yes, yes, Avalanche. The... It's not going to edit all this out. It's fine. I think this is just cause for us. And Port Key Games, who I believe made a mobile Harry Potter game, one of those Match 3 games. Uh, so they took the project lead on this. There's... This game was announced, or was rumored for years. It was like, like five, six years they were supposed to make this. And then uh, it got delayed and delayed and delayed. And it finally came out uh, back in February. February? Yes, yeah. Uh, I've already forgotten the exact date, but it was, um, yeah, I think this, it was the 7th, or early access 7th and the 10th was um, just for the the... I guess what we're calling the current gen, because it's been out for <laughs> years for PS5 and mm. Xbox Series X and S, and I believe I believe for Steam and PC and all that. But uh, in the but the PS4 and Xbox One versions won't be coming out for another couple months. In fact, I think those got delayed. Yeah, till May or something. Yeah, uh, that's an interesting thing because I don't know really. It's not the most technically proficient game in there on world. Uh, you mean graphic-wise? Yeah, systems-wise. I guess it's just like because it's a big map. There's a lot of little things inside that big map that a lower-end system can't handle. I, I don't know. We don't know shit about game development. I I would say you're right about that, and I would say probably the most issues, most technical issues that they're excuse me haven't optimized for the last-gen consoles is probably. Just everything that goes on in the castle itself of Hogwarts Castle, because it's very busy in there. Yeah, it's very dense. We'll get yeah get into it a little bit here, but mm. there's a lot that goes on in that castle. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're just having trouble uh, 
just ironing out all the glitches and bugs that mm-hmm. come with that. Uh, it's highly anticipated for you in particular because I know you're a big fan of the, we're going to have to call this, the Wizarding World. Uh, uh, the books especially, the Harry Potter books. You started reading those when you were a kid? Yeah, yeah. I basically, I I pretty much grew up with Harry, quite literally. My uh, <laughs> When the first book came out, I was around 10 or 11. And they came, each book came out when I was pretty much what what Harry's age was so um, yeah they were a big part of my big part of my childhood one of my favorite series growing up as a kid and I have not seen all of the current movies the the involving the Fantastic Beast or whatnot but mm-hmm. I've always really you know really been captured by this world and the, the universe look, yeah I was yeah, I was really looking forward to this game for a while. So I uh, I read the first book when I was about 11. My uncle gave it to me uh, as a Christmas gift, I think. Uh, it's you know, a long time ago. Uh, I don't remember what I thought of it, but I know I, ne- I put it away. I was like, that was a thing. But, uh, you know, I went to high school and I got more into sci-fi things. And my nerddom... And, you know, kind of left the literature aside and said, I want to play more video games. That's where we are now. But uh, Harry Potter was never really my thing. You know, I'm not going to... I didn't dismiss it as, you know, language barriers here. and dismiss it as stupid gay it's shit. But it's, it's very... It's much more fantasy-like than it is, you know, sci-fi-like. And I've always, you know, been hardline of that. Sci-fi is better. Uh, I can't remember why I watched the movies. This is like four years ago at this point. I was just like, I'm just going to watch all the movies, see what the big deal is. And I was like, ah, you know what? These are pretty good. Now, fuck it. I'll read the books, too. Why not? So I read all the books. And I was like, you know what? This is okay. I've got nothing terribly negative to say about them. They'll nitpicks like I have for Hogwarts Legacy here in a bit. But uh, I'm not like a mega fan or anything. But it's, it's, it's enjoyable stuff. And I have seen all the Fantastic Beasts movies. So I'm technically even more of a fan than you. Because I had to see that piece of shit Secrets of Dumbledore film. Someone held a gun to your head, huh? Or they should held, I say they held a, a wand to my head, yes. Yeah. They were going to cast bullet experidamus and then they explode the bullet. <laughs> well, I may not be as big a fan as you, Loki, but I was still looking forward to this game. And I was really happy that when it was confirmed and we had the leaked screenshots for and clips years prior. And. But leading the months leading up to this game has uh criti- uh, there's also been some controversy <laughs> you know who is not looking forward to this game journalists yes so years ago uh the writer of the book joe i don't remember her middle name joe rolling whatever the k stands for karen let's say i don't remember actually i know her first name is joanna uh she wanted to, she's i don't want to get too far into the political sphere here but she is what we in america would call left-leaning she's british and they have different system over there i understand but she wanted to get more into the group. So years after the, all the books were over, she decided that, you know what? One of the main characters, Dumbledore, he was gay the whole time. We just never said anything in the books. It's like, well, does that actually matter for the narrative or the story or the character of Dumbledore at all? No, not at all. Not whatsoever. But it got her brownie points with that. Yeah, no, it sure did. It. I remember reading that news and just kind of, crooking my head to the side and thinking, okay, that doesn't really 
change anything about the character itself. And then, but... and then she kept going. And she said, this thing happened. And also, wizards matched their pooped away. And then this other dumbass thing. It's like, could you not? That became a meme of itself before the most recent controversy of J.K. Rowling just making things up, you know, post, uh, post hoc about her universe that was never in the books or any of the movies. Yeah, and she really drip-fed this info. It, it would, <laughs> it, It's not like she wrote a Harry Potter equivalent to the Cimmerillion or anything. She didn't write this huge compendium about Un- info that's not tales, covered yeah. not covered in the books the Harry Potter series but she would just she would go on book tours or signings or whatever and someone would ask her a question and then she would say oh yeah that character you know ended up being gay or yeah they vanished their poop away I, or just, I always intended Hermione to be black despite how I described her in the books yeah yeah it's stuff like that it's just it was just stuff she threw out for, like he said, brownie points. She was just mm-hmm. trying to, it seems like, just, yeah, just, just score social brownie points. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then some silly nonsense I don't really want to super get into, but uh, men who want to be women were trying to make it legal in England, I'm being very vague, legal in England to go into women's bathrooms because they thought of themselves as women. And Rowling being a very prominent, very rich, very affluent and uh, important person in England was like, yeah, I don't think that's a good idea. I think we should have women's spaces and we should have men's spaces. And she got a lot of flack for this and continues to this day to get a lot of flack for this. Despite the most controversial thing she said is, yeah, men shouldn't go into women's restrooms. And that's basically it. Yeah, and I remember reading that and just nodding my head and saying, yeah, she's right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I didn't I agree. agree with a lot right, of what she good. said. <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't. It was one of those things. Yeah, I didn't agree with a lot of things she said after the series ended. Hmm. You know, all the Dumbledore's gay and you know, vanishing poop. I thought a lot of that was stupid. And but yeah, I actually agree with her on this. And then I just moved on with my day. But yeah, the internet had other plans. So I don't want to get too much into that again. I'm just I want to dance around it. You know, I'm hardlining one way on this silly thing. But. It's very weird to hate a person's works because you hate the person. I can dislike an actor, right? But I'll still enjoy their performance in a film. And this is true of, you know, I don't like certain video game creators. I'll still play their game. Yeah, I've always, uh, I don't know if I ever really made a conscious effort to try and distance, distance myself from creators to created works. Um... For the most part, I just didn't really care. I just, sure. I just like, I just liked the things I liked, and that was that. And, but nowadays, it just, it's, it seems impossible to completely stay away from celebrities' opinions or creators' opinions, and because they, they just, they just volunteer, they throw it out there on social media, whether you want to hear it or not, or whether. It's and even... and a, a weird guilt by association thing happens. Where it's like, because you enjoy the work, therefore you automatically agree with everything they say. And that's absolutely not true of certainly you and me and Rowling. No, no, I, I, in, I've, yeah, I'm the same way. I've probably consumed other, you know, TV, TV shows, movies, video games with, made by people that I don't agree 100% with. But mm-hmm. it used to be that was not such a big deal. It was, was just, norm, yes. it was just part of, you know, being human. Because not everybody's going to agree with you, and but they may still make something that you like and you want to enjoy. That's fine. 
so there was a lot of articles written about how you shouldn't buy the game because it's supporting her. She's already rich enough. How much she actually gets from sales of the game. Blah, 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 blah. You hate men who are women, but whatever. Then the game made a shit ton of money, sold a bunch of copies. And that has kind of quietly died down. Everybody kind of threw up their hands and said, well, fine then. And we just moved on to the next thing to be angry about. Which was the people streaming the game. <laughs> which is a whole other can of worms. And well, I don't think it, we have time for that today. But It's it's a very old episode of this podcast. It's not actually available anymore. I'd have to re-upload it. My opinions on Twitch streamers, including my dear brother, Nick. Go subscribe to him on Twitch, I guess. But, uh... Whatever your opinion on Twitch streamers is, it's wrong to just sit there and bully them for no fault of it, just because they want to play a game. Mm-hmm. It's just because you don't agree with the creator, which, by the way, J.K. Rowling probably had very little to do with the creation of this game. And she probably makes more money just selling butterbeer at the Universal Studios. Oh, yeah, Harry, licensing Harry, is huge. Harry Potter land or whatever. But to go, yeah, to... to you, you, you try and boycott the game, that doesn't work, and you think to yourself, oh, what what's the next best thing? Oh, I'll just go and just bully and harass and troll this streamer who's just minding their own business. Yeah, it's just, that old business was sorry. Uh, that, I might cut all this out, I don't know, but that part, I would put on the audience, yes, certainly, but those streamers cultivate their own audience. Like, you can ban people, I've seen it happen. You can decide, hey, everybody, I'm playing this, and I don't care what y'all say. You know, you can have some fucking balls of your own and say, fuck your audience. But that's the audience you chose to have. So, you know, it's very similar to what's happening to, like, other YouTube people. Like Angry Joe right now, he's going through some shit because he had some really stupid opinions. And then is trying to, you know, like, oh, I didn't actually say that. I didn't mean to call the black guy racist. I swear I didn't. But it's like, man, this is what you've built. But this, this is the audience you've built. And so to attack your own audience, well, that hasn't worked for Disney and Warner Brothers and Amazon in the last few years, so it's not going to work on YouTube or Twitch. Don't do it there. I don't know. Is Angry, Angry Joe's audience, are they agreeing with him, or are they dogpiling him? I don't. Uh, his audience agrees with his opinions. I almost met One Angry shock. Joe once at uh, PAX South. One of the years, I don't, I don't know if you were there that year. You weren't with me that day. But he was like five feet away from me, and I was gonna yell at him. He sucks. I didn't get the opportunity. <laughs> I, no, no shit. I also saw Adam Sessler there that same day, and I was gonna tell him he sucks, uh, but he didn't hear me because he was too far away. I was like, "You suck." I tried. Nobody, nobody heard me. Uh, I was right on both of those guys, by the way. And this was what 2014, 2015 when I had these opinions. I was right the whole time. Just, just <laughs> marking that down. But. Uh, all the comp- for all the bullshit that the game did, for all the complaining and whining, it sold incredibly well. And perhaps the most important part, it's fun to play. The part that matters the most, the part that I've been compl- you know, complaining about, lambasting about the most important part of video games is that they're enjoyable. Story, character's great. If we can have that, if you can learn a lesson, terrific. Bonus material. But it has to be an enjoyable experience to play. And thank whatever, thank Merlin Hogwarts Legacy is fun to play. Yes, thank Almighty Merlin. And I was I was pretty confident that it would be a pretty decent game because from what I had read from interviews in the studios and whatnot, they were they all seemed like they were genuinely fans of the world and they wanted to make mm-hmm. 
as best experience as they possibly could. And I don't know, maybe it's a little blind fanboyism, but I, 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 <laughs> I didn't, I didn't think this game was going to be bad. Um, it might not, you know, be the greatest game of all time, which is not, but yeah, I was pretty confident it'd be pretty good. And it is. I'm not going to call you up for cyberpunk or nothing. So I won't do that, but I'm thinking it. I never said get, uh, the game. No, I did. Cyberpunk was bad, but no, what? I, no, I mean, like in terms of fanboy blindness, it's like, if you let me have that, I'll let you have this. <laughs> well, I mean, I was a fanboy of cyberpunk too, but. I mean, I knew it'd have. I I figured it'd have problems because we just didn't hear anything about it for a yeah, long cer- time. Certainly not. Certainly not the marketing. Yeah. Um. So the game allows you to pick. I don't know. If, if you're listening to this and you know what Harry Potter is, fuck you. Like it's part. It's practically part of American culture at this point, despite it being 100% English. You know, Scottish, Irish. Um. I'd say it's pretty much global. It, yeah, but you know, it is part of. It is an American culture institution. Kids, kids know what it is. You know, growing up in high school, everyone, you know, whether or not I was into it, people knew about Harry Potter, and I lived down in fucking South Texas. Yeah, if you haven't read the books, you've at least seen the movies, or know somebody who's seen the movies. You're aware of their existence, the, the, you know there's a, uh, a guy with frilly hair and glasses, and he has a wand, and there's a guy with no nose. It's like, you're aware of that trope. And it's like, if you've never seen Star Wars, you're aware there are people with glowing sticks. It's, it's a similar idea. So in Hogwarts Legacy, it lets you choose... Which of the four houses you go into? I always thought the houses were had silly names. I think, frank, frankly, everything in, in Harry Potter world has a silly name. They do, but I, I think it kind of fits with the uh, the am, animal that uh, each house is associated with. So. Uh, and then the storyline basically doesn't really matter for what you choose. I don't think because you and I chose two different things. And I think it, all outcomes end up the same way. Yeah, I uh, I don't think it really truly matters what house you yeah. pick. I mean, it determines which house you stay in, but you don't really hang out there a whole lot. during. It's the- like Life Paths in Cyberpunk. And as far as I know, I don't think... I haven't... Uh, f- t- technically, I have not finished the game. I've beaten the main story, but I have not finished the game. Oh, there's a ton of side shit, yeah. Yeah, um... So and I you don't do... know if there's a house house tournament or ceremony at the end where your house wins or whatever. Uh, but... According to the trophy list, there is. You have to do some stuff to win the cup. Oh, okay. All right. But I don't know. That, that might not be like a unique thing. It just color changes. But uh, you do, as your high school kid, basically, make friends of each of the four houses in it. And so you do little quest lines like, help me, you know, the Hufflepuff person helping them with their animal problem because that's all the Hufflepuffs that care about, apparently. You know, help the Slytherin learn evil magic, because that's all Slytherins care about, apparently. <laughs> it falls very much into the four-house stereotypes of the kind of student or person you are, even though you can basically make your your player character whatever you want. Well, Hufflepuff, in the books, Hufflepuffs didn't really have not, did not have a penchant for magical creatures. They were just kind of the hard-working, nice kids. Mm-hmm. And... Slytherins in the books are pretty much all assholes, except for the, the oldest Slytherin you're introduced to. Um, yeah. And Sebastian, while in the character in the game, he is obsessed with the dark arts. I wouldn't say he's an asshole, and he has a very good, you know, he has a pretty understandable or uh, uh, motivation. Mm-hmm. So, but 
Yeah, I, a lot of the NPCs, they do kind of follow their uh, respective houses stereotypes and whatnot. You meet a couple of Ravenclaws that are nerds. nerds. Yeah. <laughs> um, and meet a couple of Gryffindors that play fast and loose with the rules and all that. So, but... Uh, Jocks. Yeah, that's, that's, to be, that's to be expected. That's... That's why they sort the sort them into the house because they exemplify certain qualities. That's the archetype they go for. Uh, yeah, I don't know if I ever told you this on air, but years ago I took that silly test and I was a Ravenclaw and I was like, ah, oh, I wanted to be evil snake people and I, instead I'm fucking nerd bird. That's the way it is. I, I was kind of knew I was a nerd bird. Yeah, I I took it and I was sort of a Gryffindor and I was very pleased with that and and this game. I thought it was a very nice touch where you could hook up your online accounts. I believe it's your WB Games account and your WizardingWorld.com or PortKeyGames.com account, and you can actually you can actually import that information into this game so that you get the house you were selected in and the wand that was selected for you after taking a quiz and I thought that was a nice touch but yeah you can pick you can customize all of that which is very very cool whenever a game has wrote as like major overall customization stats are important of course but then when you have a transmogrifier system which means you can make any piece of gear look like any other type of that same piece of gear it's like okay well now you've insp- now I've got a little bit of inspiration I'm not normally a super creative guy but one thing I love in video games is to make my player character look like a fucking idiot it is my favorite thing to have serious, deep conversations where I'm wearing a funny hat and googly eye glasses. And Hogwarts Legacy let me have that fantasy, so I appreciate it. I had these big, stupid, like, cat's eye glasses, like the Riddler top hat, a big green coat, and I was talking to Sebastian about his horrible family situation. I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm very invested in what you're saying. <laughs> you always look at a reflect the madness from within, aren't you? Oh, yeah, a little bit, yes. <laughs> Yeah, I do like it, and uh, we talked about that when we were playing the game. Is that I, we wish more games had that level level of transmogrifying. Mm. It was it was very very cool. And when I first started the game, I was really enjoying it. But one of my major complaints was the limited number of inventory spaces and how you acquire more. It, yeah, yeah, it's very, it takes a, you have to complete Merlin trials that are scattered throughout the map they're little puzzles that you do and and you have to do a whole bunch just to get a hand three or four additional spaces um and i was i'm the type of person i will just i will hang on to everything because i knew you could transmog in this game but i thought you had to have it currently in your inventory and so i just hung on to everything and i i mean i had no space for anything new i was coming across but uh, I actually discovered this when we were on a chat together. I learned that you could actually you can actually sell or throw away all the all the inferior gear that you don't need, but you'll still have that keep its appearance. Yeah, you have that appearance, so you can transmog it. And that was yeah, just it went from like okay, I everything else is just gravy from here. This is fantastic. <laughs> I, I've told a similar story about Fallout Four. Uh, when you're redoing uh, Sanctuary Hills and Settlement, and it's like, man, I wish it's... I, I want to... I need to get rid of all this fucking debris. 
but I the game won't let me do that. You know, it's like I just need to just sweep all this away in one button. And it's like, oh yeah, we put that in there. You just sweep all this away with one button. I was like, holy fuck, an idea in my head, and suddenly it's reality. Not quite one to one, but that idea of I wish I could, and the game says, yeah, you can. That's excellent. It should be in more games. Yeah, no, I I totally agree. It's 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 nice when these little these little accessibility options or quality of life options are added. In these and games. I think cosmetic stuff absolutely matters more in a third person game, which Hogwarts Legacy is. You know, it's like many many shooters. It's like, oh, look at all these skins. It's like, yeah, but I can't see them. <laughs> it's it's like, oh, during a cutscene, it's like, yeah, unless it's yeah first person cutscene. But anyways, how do you interact with this world? You shoot shit out of your wand. Uh, there's like a regular attack button where you just cast a default spell. I would say this game's like 90% combat, to be honest. It's a lot of fighting, yeah. Yeah. But it's not a negative. It's just like, that's there's just a lot. Mm. There's a million things out in the world that want to kill you, specifically small child. You, 15-year-old boy, will fight to the death here in the in the open field. Yeah, if you were, if someone was going into this game thinking it was going to be a a Hogwarts student simulator, <laughs> then they were probably very sorely disappointed. You've read too much fan fiction. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is. I mean, this has a set story and set side quest, and it's it is an action adventure uh, mm-hmm. for the most part. And I think the I think the combat's a lot of fun. That's good. And while this and it's very it's very similar to an uh, an Assassin's Creed type game where the face buttons represent different abilities and spells that you can do and you can assign them and create your own sets and whatnot. Mm-hmm. And yeah, there's a basic attack like you said. And I found the... This will sound funny, but while I never died playing this game, I did still find the combat somewhat challenging. It was... It mm. was... It, it wasn't... It wasn't a breeze. Some encounters were a lot easier than others. I, I'd say most of the game, you know, if you're coming across just a group of three or four enemies, you're not going to have too hard a time, but uh, the free... When you... Further in, you go in the game and you encounter bigger groups. Then, yeah, it could be, you know, it could be pretty tough at times. There's not a lot of, well, there is in the early game, but late game, there's no standing still casting. It's like, okay, you need to be dodging, you need to shield up, and you know, change the next spell slot. The spell's ready, you know, moving around. It's like, oh, he's got a shield. Use that thing to do. The, you know, it up, it ups. I think it, it, it uh, sets the pace better. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but you know, difficulty curve, I guess. Is good. Yeah, because uh, the uh, you know more you progress in the game, and the more enemy types uh, you'll encounter, and a lot of them will start using unblockable spells or attacks mm-hmm. that you know keep you on your toes and you, you make you move around and dodge and all that, and uh, yeah, mix up your spells, and so yeah. Or or you'd be like me and just learn the instant death spell and uh, kill anyone. It's great. Which has a fucking like two minute charge on it, and you can't use it again. Yeah, which yeah, makes sense. Nah, because you, you can kill you can kill anything, and you can chain it, which is even crazier. Because I don't even think Voldemort or Dumbledore could do that. So, well, the narrative the narrative is your character is like an ultra powerful wizard, which is why you're in. Because uh, it's like Jedi, you know, they get in when they're very young, and then they 
learn in the school. In this game, you're like one of maybe seven wizards in the history of Hogwarts to get in late. You get in in fifth year, right? Fifth year, you're what, 15, 16? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of... You feel kind of like, oh, it's time to learn all the catch-up spells. Um, and I think... I was, I was initially kind of nonplussed of the way the game gave you spells, but I understood why they do it. It's like, okay, how do I learn new spells? The teachers teach you. Uh, how do they do that? They give assignments. So what are the assignments? Well, you have to play the game. <laughs> it's like, okay, find this ingredient, use this potion. And while personally I'm maybe reticent to that, a game telling me what to do, but I understand why they're like, okay, we want you to experience the system we, we put in here. You know, we created this mechanic. Please use it. And then you'll be rewarded for using it. It's like, okay, fine, I get you. Yeah, most goals will set certain objectives and you have to meet those objectives to uh, meet the goal to achieve it. In the in this this case, the goal was the spells. But I will say, even though I just said this is not a real uh, a school sim in any way, it would have been nice to be able to learn more spells while attending classes. Hmm. Um, but I think if they did that, then about eighty percent of the faculty would lose any relevancy that they have at all <laughs> because they don't have a lot to begin with. To be frank. You go to, you actually go to, I think, how many, well, however many classes there are, right? You go to that many. You go to one care magical creatures class. You go to one divination class. You go to one potions class. You know, stuff like that, right? Yeah, transfiguration, defense yeah. against the dark arts, all the all the big ones. Whatever, whatever the number is, that's how many you go to total. Yeah. And everything else is just like, oh, you completed the objective. Come back and I'll teach you. Because, uh, fucking Expelliarmus. It's like, okay, here's how to do Expelliarmus. All right, now you learn it. Goodbye. It's like, well, shit, is that easy? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's it's not a, a lot of games. The the narrative, you know, the 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 strength of a main character and the narrative is a lot different from their strength in the gameplay. Mm -hmm, but yes. this game, it's pretty one to one ratio. I mean, you're you're a badass kid who can learn spells on the fly and then he can access and he can sense this ancient magic which they that's all that's what it's called it's just ancient magic <laughs> and yeah you're just super, the super powerful kid that can just <laughs> take down giants to, and dragons this is one of my i don't want to say complaints about the harry potter universe but a little narrative dissonance for me it's like okay let's set the movies aside for a second so in the books harry go harry and his friends go to class and the teacher is like Here's how you do this thing. And everybody in the class does it. And some students can't do it. And they fuck it up. It's like, oh, we can't do the spell. You're not saying the word right. You're not moving the wand right. And it's like, I understand the reason for that. So people don't just shoot off spells willy-nilly all day long as they're growing up. Which you would if you were a teenager. I don't know why they're not constantly casting spelly armors down the hallways at each other. But in the game, it's like, okay, you did the task for me. I'm going to teach you the spell. Press triangle now. And now press X. And now press circle. All right, you learned the spell. And you can use it freely forever. So like, well, okay. <laughs> There's no, like, I didn't earn the spell. I was just given it. Does that make sense? I mean, well, I, I don't know what you expect. Do you just, do you want to just keep doing that motion over and over and over again See, until it becomes tedious? I or? have actually played the older Harry Potter games on PS3 because, I don't know, because I do lots of things. I don't know why I do them. And for some of those games, you do actually have to move the right stick every single time you want to cast a certain spell. And it's fucking annoying. My point was more of a narrative of, in the game, it seems it's really easy to learn magic. Just because they need to streamline the process. 
Yeah, I mean, I think that's uh, it's explained by what I you know said a minute ago is that your character is just super badass, and yeah, I mean, you could say they're they're overpowered or whatnot. I mean, you, mm. you could have an argument there, but yeah, for the sake of the game and just to cut down on the tediousness, that they just yeah make your character really 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 powerful and able to learn <laughs> spells instantly pretty much yeah uh and also how to capture a bunch of animals and ride brooms and ride beasts and kill so many goblins and so many fucking giant spiders yeah there are a ton this I is my number one those. problem with fantasy fucking tolkien invented giant spiders and every fantasy author and video game designer since then is like you know what this fantasy game needs giant spiders a lot of people don't like him. I really don't. There's a character in the books and movies, Ronald Weasley, and he's like, wow, I really hate spiders. I'm petrified. I'm not petrified about real-life spiders. I've killed millions of spiders in my life, and I will kill millions more until they're all eradicated from my area. They don't deserve to live in the room that I live in. But if they're outside away from me, fuck them. Who cares? Uh, but in a video game, there aren't regular-sized spiders anymore. You know, everything from Tomb Raider, Underworld, to Bloodborne, to this, to Dragon Age, to Skyrim, it's like, it's a fantasy. We must have giant spider. And... Well, sure, they're regular-sized spiders. You just can't see them. <laughs> they're laying their eggs while your character is asleep. And Ron hated the big spiders, too. He hated spiders of any Yeah, but, but any, his, any his, his gag was basically, I understand, you know, the whole point of Gryffindor is to be brave and overcome that fear. I got that. But his was petrification, basically. He was like, I can't move. I'm so scared. I'm so scared that I need to lash out. I need to fight. I need to punch. I need to shoot them. I need to kill them. You know what I mean? Well, he it, moves a lot in the second book when they're in the forest, but yeah, uh, he's got help from Harry. You you won't be surprised. I don't remember a lot of that part. <laughs> no way. I fast forward that part in the movie. Yes. <laughs> Can't believe it. Uh, so, yeah, that's a whole other issue. It's, it's it's not that I I'm not scared of spiders. I'm scared of giant video game spiders. The only place they exist in fantasy world. And so like I I need to kill them, right? So luckily, I can kill them. So that alleviates some of it, certainly. But you do yeah, kill other good. Yeah, you can do a lot to them. You can you can blow them up. You can set them on fire. You oh, can, it's great. You can push them off a cliff. It's wonderfully you cathartic. Can, you, hey, you can torture them. Yes. Um, you can set their own spider friends against against each other and have them kill each other it is a little bit of catharsis doesn't mean i like going through the process you know i do i do absolutely appreciate this though uh they disappear when they die a billion video games are like okay the spider's corpse will remain here forever in its weird upside down position it's like, until uh. morale approves um <laughs> uh, but yeah you fight other things in spiders there's like fucking weird frog things and a billion goblins and some humans another narrative dissonance it's like so you're killing everything you're fighting. Whether or not you use abracadabra, you're murdering everyone. Because you don't just go over to the corpse and they lay there like, oh, I'm unconscious from too many spells to the head. No, they disappear and they become a little coin bag. Yeah, you're not you're not just stupefying or expelliarmus everything <laughs> that you're running across. You're, you're, for the most part, you're setting it on fire. Yeah, you, <laughs> yeah, you just, you're slamming them into the ground. This is just the thing your teachers don't talk about. It's like, yeah, you're going to get, as a 15-year-old boy, you're going to get into a ton of fights in this giant world. It's 1800, so what are you going to do, you know? Yeah, boys will be boys. Yeah. You fly around, you meet other people who went to the same school, learn the same spells as you did, and they're trying to kill you with them. It's like, yeah, makes sense. 
Well, yeah, and the funny thing is, I don't think a lot of your professors at Hogwarts know what your character gets up to when or you're leaving care. the castle. Most of your most of the quests you get are from random adult NPCs in the in the world. Yeah, I think Professor Weasley is uh, the only one that expresses any concern about what the new <laughs> student is doing in their time. Wait, in the, the main in the main quest story, in any side shit you're doing or exploration, you don't care. But yeah, no, they uh, they they seem to encourage it. Even it's <laughs> self-discovering expression. Yeah, use it. Use Crucial for your classmates. See what happens. Maybe it'll be 18, cool. We, as we learned in this game, playing it, eighteen hundred Scotland was apparently a very progressive place. Oh, there's not just white people and Irish and Scottish. There's Spanish and Korean and Chinese and Japanese and African and deep African, not like Northern African. There's probably an Australian there too. I don't know. I didn't hear any American accents, so I did some hear some very bad British accents. Yeah, it's so, uh, it's so funny. Uh, yeah, the people complaining and boycotting this game, saying it's not diverse and it's not sensitive. You know, creators not sensitive enough, and this is one of the most inclusive games I think I've ever played. And it also diverse, just yeah. uh, you know a lot of it is shoehorn, but it's. A lot of games that take place in modern days, it's just kind of like, okay, yeah, whatever. You know, all those, you know, travel we're, is a lot easier these days. In this game, it doesn't make sense. Grand Theft Auto Five and fake LA. Of course, there's going to be a, mil- a million kinds of people. Yeah. 1800s Upper England. Why are there so many non-white people? Everyone I'm not white, be, so I'm allowed to say that. I'm everyone Mexican. should be pale and redheaded, but uh, in that time period, but. I guess they just, they just hand wave it away and say it's magic. It can travel fast, instantaneous. To steal a joke, it's like, so what happened in 100 years? Because the Harry Potter books and movies take place in the 90s, 1990s. <laughs> and uh, it's like 99% white people. There's one Korean girl, Scottish. Uh, there's a couple of black kids, British. But uh, Hogwarts Legacy got people from all over the fucking world, not just the wizarding world, all over the world. They even got a few transfer students and uh, professors from, like, an African school of magic. It's like, I'm not going to do the accent. But the girl is basically like, oh, we don't learn spells with wands. We learn them with our hands. It's like, okay, good for you. Does that make it better or worse? Why why do we all use wands? Yeah, they never really went into that. I I would assume it's not as powerful as using a wand or a staff, but Hmm. it's never never shored up, but... Yeah, maybe maybe old Dumbledore wasn't as tolerant as everybody everybody thought he was. But, uh, <laughs> He's like, when I'm in charge of this school, there's some changes around here. But yeah, <laughs> and and I didn't have a I, I, saying you know talk about this. I don't I didn't have an issue with the diversity. It was a little. It's it, very on the nose, noticeable. It's yeah, like it's, you're trying to make a point, especially yeah. with the bartender, who is claims to be a woman, I don't even remember their name, but has a very deep, manly oi, 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 voice. And it's like, are you trying to say something about modern-day bullshit in your 1800s wizard game? It's so in-your-face to be annoying, you know? That's really that's the same shit from, like, Midnight Suns and Gotham Knights, where it's like, oh, no, no, we're going to shove the, the inclusion in your face. And it's like, okay, you can be inclusive without being overt about it. I ultimately, honest to God, don't care if Tim Drake is gay, but you don't need to tell me he's gay every five minutes. Yeah, I'm I'm with you. It's just it's just the just constant rehashing and repetitive. It's just it gets old. And I assume I'm assuming with the inclusion of Serona, the 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 manly transgender bartender, 
in Hogwarts Legacy. I, I'm assuming that they that was the developer's way of showing support for mm-hmm. that sect of people, and uh, it just kind of <laughs> further reinforces the irony. Su- surprise, of, uh, surprise! It wasn't enough. Yeah, n- yeah, no, no, it was it was not enough for the. Uh, it was mostly the trans community that had an mm-hmm. issue with this game and were crying out for boycotting it. But uh, yeah, there you go. It's. Uh, it seems like every from everybody from every realm is represented in the game. It, 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 I was just, sorry, I was just gonna say I, the student. I had no problem with the students, you know, being from every which way, but it was the professors that was a little more head scratching because you had a uh, I mean, you had a charts professor who was Indian. Okay, all right, that was the t- time of the Great Raj or whatever. So whatever. Um, and then you had, but then you had a care mag- magical creatures teacher that was. Chinese, I believe. Or, I think she's uh, Korean. Or Korean. And then you have a Korean caretaker. And then you have a Japanese uh, flying instructor, too. And it's just kind of like, okay, yeah. It, it's a, it, it, it's a it little should be too noted, obvious. none of these professors have their stereotypical accents from the country they're from. They all have variants on an English or Scottish. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're all very much yeah, British citizens, so... It's not like they're, you know, 100% full rep, you know, representing their mm. nations and cultures or whatnot. But again, it didn't, I mean, it ended up being mostly a non-issue because for the most part, a lot of, like I said earlier, a lot of the teachers are, they don't play a big role in the story. And in fact, when we're talking about learning spells and how you learn them from all teachers, like, why is... Why is my flying instructor teaching me to pulso? That has nothing to do with flying. But you might need just... to push a, bl- a bulger away. What the fuck is a little ball called? A blugger? <laughs> uh, you're close. Yeah, there's the bludger and bludger. the quaffle. Quaffle, which ones. is the football, yeah. yeah. Yeah, But you can't use spells during a Quidditch match anyway, so... Eh. You can't but... use spells during flying either in the game. You can use Revelio. That's but, useless. Uh, yeah, you you can't do any. You're, there's no flyby spellcasting this there's, game. Unfortunately, there's no fly combat, and there's no what they their soccer, which is a Quidditch or cribbage. Um, a lot of people were hoping for that, and I was like, you know, they've made Harry Potter Quidditch games in the past before, like specifically that are just that. You can go play those, but uh, it's not in Hogwarts, and it doesn't look like it's going to be. Apparently, this game's not going to get any DLC. But they could change their minds. It could be a Resident Evil Village situation where it sells so much, they're like, shit, we have to do something. Yeah, they may feel compelled later. I, I never... Yeah, it, it would have been nice if they had Quidditch in it, but I didn't really need it. I, I don't think... It wasn't like this big gaping hole that was missing from the game. Because mm-hmm. uh, I, I do... I do like the concept of Quidditch, but as a sports fan, it's a fucking mess. When you start... <laughs> Just it's a terrible it nitty gritty. <laughs> yes, it, it's it is a it is a fictional sport that was created just just so Harry could be the hero of every plot match. reasons. Yeah, she yeah. needed to invent a sport with an instant win. Mm-hmm. Yes, and, and where Harry was the one that was winning the game for his team. See, now this is the problem of being British. So, what's her closest equivalent? It's soccer, right? There's no instant win in soccer. 90 minutes of 0-0. Zero, zero. It's like, well, how do we break ties? I don't understand. Uh, can we have penalty shots in, in Quidditch? Ah, that's kind of not what I want. For Harry to hit the last penalty kick. 
<laughs> yeah, he, they could have made he she could have made him a chaser, but like soccer, and I'm gonna ma- make a lot of soccer fans mad. In soccer, nothing happens for 90 minutes. <laughs> um, in fact, they you know they they don't know how to stop a clock, and some games ended in a tie, a zero-zero tie, which is just just fucking mind-boggling. <laughs> and and then in Quidditch, where it's there's seven, yeah, there's well, there's seven players on each team, and only one of them matters. Yeah. So all the and other there's no time just, limit. The game ends when the special player catches the special ball. Yeah. So all the other six players are just standing around wasting time until the seeker catches the snitch. But yeah, they need to tweak tweak the rules. But anyway, I it it was a yeah. I didn't feel like this game really needed it. So it may not have Quidditch, but the game does have potion craft and herbology and raising magical creatures so you can harvest their skin to upgrade your equipment. You know all the usual Harry Potter stuff. Uh, I don't think you actually harvest any of their skin. Fur and hairs and things like that. Well, okay, I misspoke. Excuse me. You shave them bald and then they regrow their hair like sheep. Yes, no no magical creatures were harmed in the making of the skin. Oh, the fuck time were. What are you talking about? Uh, Just none of the friendly ones. Yeah, yeah, except the yeah, ones not in your care. Well, some, some friendly NPCs. Um... I, I never really utilized the potions or the herbs. Like, the point of the herbs is to make potions, and I never really use potions. Like, I understand it's, a, it's an important part, certainly in the books. It's an important part of the universe that they have this whole other subset of magic. You know, you cast spells, of course, but you need other things to supplement the magic. Uh, a sort of narrative purpose, mostly. Stuff like Polyjuice or whatever. But in the game, it's like, well, I don't really need this, this potion that'll make me super strong. You know, for the next 30 seconds. I don't really need this potion that'll make me invisible because I never fucking snuck anywhere. Sneaked. Just killed everyone. There's no point in me sneaking. Yeah, you can you can go through the whole game just blasting everything out of your path, but I did I did appreciate that they were able to incorporate sure. you know, potions and plants and uh, all these things that are tied to your other classes besides just the ones that involve wand work. And it is an important part of the lore, so to speak. Yeah, and uh, I found myself using using them occasionally, but they weren't. I didn't find them completely necessary for playing. I, I found the plants that you could use were really good at crowd controlling, and uh, every once in a while, I'd use a potion to increase your defense or increase your offense, and those were you know those were nice on occasion. So, but. Um, yeah, it's mostly yeah. You just upgrading your spells, and I think you're you good to go. I know you don't want to mention the story. I just want to be brief. I, the story's pretty basic. Uh, I end up liking it for the most part. I think it comes off to it. It starts off with a bang, and uh, I wish they. I think they delved in a little bit. You know, they delved pretty well into some of the the new characters. I ended up liking quite a few of them. Uh, mm-hmm. Some things I wish they would have explained a little bit more. Uh, a few of the uh, these this ancient magic, generic ancient magic, and some of its applications that are that are relevant throughout the story. But uh, it, it, it's for overall, it's pretty good. You're, there's a evil goblin that you're trying to stop, and he wants to kill all the wizards, and you just say, "Nope, not gonna happen." And <laughs> um, yeah, yeah, and uh, I, I think it's a pretty good. There, Pretty good little there's, some inter- 
there's some really interesting ideas in the game in terms of the narrative, what they do with it. And I was like, huh, that's neat. But uh, there are some things, we've discussed this off here, I don't want to get too many hard spo story spoilers here, that like straight up stolen from Dragon Age. It's like, oh, you stole that. But who's going to notice but me, but the guy who really loves Dragon Age too. Uh, I noticed it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but but the, the narrative is there, like, the point of the game is to, hey, we always wanted to make a really good Harry Potter game where you weren't playing as Harry Potter, right? Because mm -hmm. there's no, I was surprised, there's no spoilers for this, there's no reference to any of the things from the books or movies. In terms of, like, you know, the ghosts are there and the paintings are fucking whatever, but there's no, like, young Dumbledore or none of that. Young Grindelwald, they're, they're not there. Yeah, it's it's set so far back where yeah, that yeah, nothing, no characters or anything like that from Harry Potter, or any of the, the the plot points are really relevant in this game, and that was nice. I I'm, I'm sure. glad they I think it was a good direction that they went in the game where you could just start fresh and a start a fresh adventure in a familiar world. Yes, uh, game of the year so far, I guess. <laughs> I'll go back to it, and I, there's so much cleanup I skipped on. It's just like, oh, I'll get over with, but uh, there's a lot to do. It is mostly just, you know, checklist, kill this this amount of things, you know, do all the side quests for everyone. It's like, hey, you, 15-year-old boy, help me catch my pig, or whatever. Yeah, it, it, it follows a very uh, familiar formula that we see in a, a lot of open-world games, mostly ones developed by or published by Ubisoft, I would say. I think it takes a lot of inspiration from those mm -hmm. games, but I, I I never really... Sometimes in a Ubisoft game, I'll feel overwhelmed with the just sheer things to do that are in all the things on your, displayed on your map. There was a point in Hogwarts where I zoomed out, and I was like, oh, it's pretty big. And then I got further into the game, and I zoomed out more, and I was like, oh, fuck, there's a whole south-eastern south, uh, area I've never been to. That's fucking huge. I've never been down there. Yeah, the map was... It was a lot bigger than I anticipated, and it, I, I really, really like the environments. And Got lost in the castle a dozen times. Yeah, and the the castle is the castle is the main... Excuse me, main point of attraction in the game. You can just tell there was just so much work put into the castle, and... I, I think they they knocked it out of the park with the castle. Just everything. It's just it, it is so incredibly fun to just walk around and just explore it and see all these places that you read about in the books or see in the movies. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of book fidelity. I was like, there's the uh, the cellar passage to Honeydukes. You know, it's by that particular statue, and you have to say the right thing. I was like, oh wow, they put that right there. And you know, some of the you know based on movies, based on books, you know, they apparently went with more of the book stuff in terms of the look of the ghosts and the paintings and the locations and how the rooms were described and all that stuff. Yeah, it, it seems to be, yeah, almost a, almost a mix between the, the books and the movies. But, uh, yeah, I was surprised on how much they it leaned towards uh, the books, all you know, taking inspiration from that. And there are there are references to the Harry Potter books it, like that stuff you just mentioned, like the witch in the cellar and all that, and you know the different paintings and uh, all the things you can go, all the like statues and stuff you can find, little bits of lore you can uh, find in the castle. It was just I spent probably the first six or seven hours of my of my uh, playtime just exploring the castle, not doing just just that, not even doing anything else. 
it was such it was so much fun to just go around and look at but yeah then there's a whole big wide world too it's a lot bigger than i expected the open world i felt like this again because i'm not the world's biggest harry potter fan but I, I had a similar feeling when i first played kotor back in late high school early college it's like you know i've always loved star wars and there were a couple of good star wars games you know uh jedi and jedi outcast and all that kind of stuff and uh fucking shadows of the empire but kotor was like a living breathing world and a kind of rpg and it's like you've always wanted to be a jedi in those previous games you were mostly shooting guys this one's like nope you're a jedi here's your lightsaber go on jedi adventures and it's like this is what i've always wanted so i think this is that from the harry potter world it's like you've always wanted to be a student in school you know in hogwarts learning spells and you know going on adventures here it is here's that game yeah, you're exactly right. And it, like KOTOR, Hogwarts Legacy, it's not a focused narrative like Harry Potter. There, now, there is a narrative. There is a storyline, mm-hmm. the main storyline that you go on in the game. But it's a much larger scale and scope and uh, of goes more in-depth into the, into the Wizarding World, per se. You can just... You can actually just you can go and see how everyday wizards and wizards, witches live their lives and mm-hmm. how much magic is integrated in their just everyday lives. And I just, one of the like real charming things about this game is just seeing kind of the, just the superfluous innocuous things that, <laughs> you know, wizards use magic for like having enchanted shears that would trim the hedges or something like that. Yeah, <laughs> uh, it was. It, yeah, I thought that was that really, really gave it life and you, made it seem you, like you a walk in the corridor. There's a mop mopping itself. Yeah, a broom sweep it up, and it's just stuff like that. Just makes it seem like it's an actual magical world with actual yeah. people in it. You know, living their lives. So L- lived in. Yes, it's very important to do in your open world game. Although, although uh, you mentioned something to me about the students at night, that may be a bit of. Yeah, yeah. There's uh, uh, one little wart on the the face of the of the school Hogwarts. Is I noticed w- during my explorations that during the daytime there's you know there's plenty of NPCs just going around doing their own thing, but a lot of the students are out in the halls and they're not in their classrooms. And then, but I kind of justified in my head thinking, okay, I guess. I guess when you're out exploring, it's during a between periods or a recess period or whatever you want to call it. Sure. But then at nighttime, because this game does have a day-night cycle, I would go around and I would only see professors and the occasional students just patrolling the halls. But I couldn't find any of the younger students. And I thought, okay, they must be in the common rooms or the dorms. Well, I went to my, I went back to mine, and no, they were nowhere around. No one's in the dorm. No one's in the common room. There are absolutely no students in the castle, except just like prefix or whatever, just patrolling the halls. There's no other students in the castle at night. It's so weird. It's so weird. It, 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 it that was the only thing in this game that really took me out of it. Well, because you don't. Nobody sleeps. You know, it's like okay, go to class. It's nighttime. Go there and hit wait. All right, now you're waited. It's daytime now. You sat on the floor all night until it was time for day. Like Fallout, you just stand in one spot. Yeah, you can't even sleep in your bed in your dorm. No. But you haven't assigned one, but you can't sleep in it. It's crazy. 
Well, they couldn't do everything. The game is 100 fucking gigabytes, so... Oh, yeah. It's, just, it's, it's a chungus. It's, it's huge. Um, but yes, we both enjoyed it to different degrees. I, I had a lot of fun playing it, even if, you know, not the biggest Harry Potter fan, whatever. It's, it's, it's fun to play, the most important bit. So, I'm going to desperately use that I swear it's fun to play bit to justify the next thing I'm going to talk about. You ready? Hit me. I've been playing a different magic game Forspoken from Square Enix and Luminous Productions. Uh-huh. A lot has been lambasted on this game, mostly about the dialogue, and for the most part, I'd say, like, I naive 5% agree. The talking part is not the good part. But I've always justified that, you know, for how many years we've been doing this podcast by saying the most important part is the enjoying, is the game part, is the playing part. It is the flying around and using spells and killing things and jumping up shit and grabbing shit that I find the most enjoyable about this game, Forspoken in particular. So I'm able to ignore all the bad stuff in it. And there is bad stuff. I'm not going to pretend it's perfect or anything. But I think that leads to a larger thing of, because I've also, just coincidentally, not on purposefully, been playing other quote-unquote bad games lately. I played a lot of Atomic Heart, uh, which has all got its own problems in terms of like the character talking too much um, and various technical problems. I played a lot of Wanted Dead, which is loaded with technical problems from from the Itagaki, the former Ninja Guide End guy. Um, some other thing. Oh, I played Gungrave Gore last year, or that came out late last year, from uh, I think Nakamura, the person who used to be at Tango GameWorks. It's like all these games are just different levels of jank, but I'm I don't know if I'm purposefully ignoring how bad they are and squeezing out the fun, or am Either right when everyone else is crazy because they're, you know, dismissing the game for whatever reason, but because of technical issues or dialogue issues or personality issues or story issues. It's like, but I'm having fun. How do I justify my fun? This is something you and I have talked about for hours off here. I want to bring that up on air. Uh, I don't think you need to justify it if you're enjoying those games, <laughs> and that's, that's perfectly well. It doesn't mean those issues don't exist. Yeah, it's... yeah, I'm not ignoring them. I'm acknowledging um, them, but I'm not bothered by them. Uh, yeah, I mean that's great. That's um, but along the same vein is if you're not bothered by them, can you say that Forspoken is the game of the year? Because it seems to excel in the one area that you 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 claim is the most important for a video game, and that's mm. the fun factor. <laughs> uh, oh, okay, I'm thinking. I haven't finished it yet. Uh. If we're talking now, I enjoy Hogwarts Legacy more. Yes. If we're ranking them, yes, I absolutely... Giant Spiders aside, I absolutely had more fun playing Hogwarts Legacy. Yes. Okay, so you enjoyed the blasting away people in Hogwarts Legacy than the blasting in Forspoken. I suppose, sure. Okay, yeah. No, I'm saying... I I get what you're saying, that you're just enjoying the game and you're ignoring all the bad stuff, but... You can't just ignore completely ignore all the bad stuff. It's there. It's part of the game. It's it's a whole package of it. Mm-hmm. And that's how I judge the games. Yes, fun is the most important thing to me as well. Now, I played the demo of Forspoken and I didn't dislike it as much as I thought I would. And in fact, I thought the combat was very reminiscent to Infamous Second <laughs> Son, a game I really enjoyed. Oh yeah, yeah, it's very infamous. Um now I, and I I had heard all the issues leading up to to the game, you know, with the main characters 
dialogue and <laughs> all <of> that. <laughs> Jokes, yes. And um, attitude. You know, I heard the clips, and I have ears, and I listened to them, and I thought, yeah, that's really, really bad, and that's really <laughs> bad writing and dialogue. And but I thought, you know what? I'm just going to put this in my game flight queue, give it a chance. I got it. It came. Um, I played some of it, and the combat was honestly not as developed as I thought it would be. Like from from the demo, I thought, okay, this is a good start. I can't, you know, I, I want to see how they improve on it in the main product. Well, it didn't really. Um, it's pretty much just choosing what you know type of rock gun you want to use shoot at your enemy essentially mm-hmm. and your the game just the game really 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 encourages just moving around constantly and and honestly it was just it got to the point where it was just it was started bothering me it was just like i was almost getting dizzy just playing the game because i was just zipping around and all that and it was hard to aim and freya would get turned around constantly and I get disoriented and it was just end up being just kind of annoying. Hmm. It was a visual spectacle. I'll give it that. It's a, it's a, it's a nice looking game. And when I was playing it and I was out in the open Rome world roaming, it reminded me a lot of Final Fantasy 15. And that's because it's developed by a lot of guys. (laughs) Final Fantasy 15. Well, you may or may not be happy to know that uh, the game did not do as well as Square Enix wanted it to do, as is typical of Square Enix products. So Luminous Productions is being folded into Square Enix, which means a lot of people are about to lose their job. Yeah, that's that's pretty sad. But, um, man, like you've said constantly, that's kind of their own fault, Square Enix's, because mm. they... They seem to expect every single game to do well as a Final Fantasy title this, and sell tens this of happened, copies. Yes, and Dragon Quest. This happened with uh, Tomb Raider. I know. I fucking remember when Rise of the Tomb Raider sold like ten million or something, and they're like, "That's not enough. This is, this was a financial failure for us." Like, what the fuck? What what limits did you place on it, dude? The Guardians of the Galaxy game we both love didn't meet their expectations either. Yeah, mankind divided didn't either, and that's a no, really I, good. It's like, I mean, how do they keep doing this? <laughs> Well, I think a little bit is, like I said, just they have really high expectations. Because I was reading a list just today, before we popped on here, about all these games that didn't sell as well as they wanted to. Mm-hmm. And a lot of them were, you know, there, there were games that you and I just listed. Those games that are really good games, they just, yes. they just, yeah, they didn't sell 20 million copies or something. So, yeah, and, and some of them are bad. Some of them are stinkers. I mean, I'll I'll leave it up to you and the audience to determine where first spoken falls in that. <laughs> let, but let, let's let's take Guardians. We both fucking really loved that game. It's great. Everybody should play it. It's fun as fuck. You don't need to know anything about the Marvel characters. Yeah, it's good. And yet Square Enix is like, sorry, this isn't enough units. This was a failure. No sequel. We're selling it off, in fact, to to somebody else. So I'm wondering, like, are they? What are their assets going to be? Because they sold off Tomb Raider. They sold off Deus Ex. I think they held on to Just Cause, of all things. They sold off something else. And uh, Embracer Group is teaming with Amazon to make more Tomb Raider content. We'll see whether or not that's a good idea, but they're going to make it. Uh, I don't know what's happening for, De- for happening for Deus Ex. Uh, there's probably not going to be another Guardians game because that has to joint with Disney, and Disney has its own bucket of worms, you know, bag of filth, whatever the fuck the mixed metaphor is. <laughs> Can of worms. Um, 
Sure, why not? They have their own problems financially yeah. and video game wise. So, I don't know what's going to happen to the Western properties. Basically, Square Enix. I the Western properties were what brought me to Square Enix. Uh, Deus Ex: Human Revolution was phenomenal, head and above shoulders of anything I'd played up until that point. Um, and then Mankind Divided took it a step further, you know, because of technical issues, you know, PS4 versus PS3. So it's like, man, a, a Deus Ex game on PS5 would be insane, creative, amazing, probably better than Cyberpunk with the way they narratively design their uh, their games, certainly. But they don't sell what they want them to. Yeah. Yeah, you're exactly right. I, and if you had... Honestly, if you gave me a choice of a new Cyberpunk game or a new Deus Ex game, I'm going with a Cyberpunk game. Or, excuse me, I'm going to go with a Deus Ex game. <laughs> you know what? Honest, I, I'm... I. A fucking Cyberpunk 2077 is a hill I die on, but I agree. I would rather have a new Deus Ex game, and that's more developer side. It's because I trust. Uh, oh God, I wish I could remember their fucking name right now, but it's the former branch Montreal, of Square Enix. It? It's Montreal. I just Montreal. Yeah. Because they've made enough bangers in a row for me. It's like you guys know what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And CD Projekt Red is up and down and up and down. Hey, here's I'm gonna make a 20 minute video about how important ESG is to our company. It's like you fucking idiots. Could you shut up for one minute, please? Yeah. So, and uh, so yes. Yeah, to kind of yeah back to Square Enix, like with where their issues are coming from. I, I think a lot of it was they bought up all these studios and all these IPs on the cheap. And then mm-hmm. I think they just get just a matter of them just having too many irons in the fire at that point. And they just, they just had all these, you know, not the mixed metaphors or whatever, like you, um, <laughs> but they had just have any two balls juggling in there at once. And, and they allocating, allocating, excuse me, allocating all of these resources just all over the pl- place, spread around all these mm-hmm. studios and developing these new games and if it's not a Dragon Quest or a Final Fantasy game or Final Fantasy fourteen, which is, you know, MMO, then it's it's not selling tens tens of millions of dollars units and making hundreds of millions of dollars, it's a failure for them. And it's not and it's not the fault of the studios from a, a lot of times for a lot of these games. Mm. You know, they're making really, really good games, but just Square Enix, I guess they're just spreading themselves too thin, and now they're paying the financial price. Ubisoft is going through the exact same thing right now. They have had way too many games, you know, fingers in too many pies, trying a thousand different things. That used to be the charm of Ubisoft. It's like, oh, Ubisoft makes weird games. You know, they'll just, they'll just fucking do whatever. And now it's like, okay, what is Ubisoft now, honestly? It's Assassin's Creed and Rabbits, and maybe Rainbow Six. Everything else they've kind of thrown away. It's like, yeah, we don't we don't care about this anymore. We're not making this kind of game anymore. Yeah. It's like, Assassin's Creed makes us money, we're going to make more Assassin's Creed. Rabbids makes us money, we're going to make more Rabbids. So it's like, what about all your other shit you used to do? It's like, nah, we don't make money anymore, so we don't care about it anymore. Yeah, and I, I and this, this I might be stretching it here, but I think we're kind of seeing the same thing in a lot of streaming platforms as well. Hmm. Uh, especially Netflix. They, uh, all these platforms, they put all this money into these, these movies and these TV series that nobody's watching, and they're just bleeding money and they're losing viewers and i think they're you know they're starting to they're starting to realize that now it's just it's Hmm. becoming a sunk cost fallacy and you know a lot you know these these big old video game developers or publishers excuse me uh, i think they're yeah i I think they're learning the same hard lessons too that they're 
even though they had a lot of money, they're losing money too. And I think they're losing more than they're gaining currently as of current. Um, as an aside, I, this is another thing I'm not going to take credit for, but I called years ago. I said Netflix went downhill when they started producing original content. And that was a long time ago, and everybody was like, no, nah, these fucking original shows are great. These Marvel shows are great. You know, these whatever shows are great. And I was like, no, they're not. Yeah, well, what about the other 99 or 200 that are not so great? Yeah. Mm. <laughs> Those cost money, great. too. Yeah, stuff, stuff rises top. You know, I don't care about Stranger Things, but as far as I'm aware, Stranger Things is one of the most popular streaming shows out there. But they're not just making only Stranger Things. They're making a fucked another. And Amazon's the same boat. Because Amazon doesn't really need Amazon Prime. Anyways, back to video games. <laughs> but yes, Ubisoft is going through a very similar thing with Square Enix. Which is why I think, they, I think they're doubling down on Assassin's Creed. They, yeah. We had this, uh, that Ubisoft move or forward, whatever the presentation was yeah, called. Yes, so they announced four, four Assassin's Creed games. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they, they know that, okay, this is our big money maker, so we're just going to concentrate on this, and if you don't like it, well, then sorry. <laughs> don't know yeah. what to tell you. They, they've canceled an absolute ton of projects. They've shut down studios. I don't think they're going to, like, default or get sold or sell off their assets. I don't think they're in that dire straits. I definitely think Yves Guillemot, the CEO, needs to fucking retire, like, yesterday. That guy should have been out a long time ago when all the sex scandals started happening. The Me Too hit gaming. Um... I do think in terms of like Square and UB, the putting the world economy on pause because of unspecified virus of indeterminate origin certainly hurt it. But, you know, people sp mostly play video games indoors. So when you see in the credits or game excuses, it's like, why was this game delayed? Oh, you know, we were all working from home and we wanted everybody to just stay safe. It's like, fucking hell, dude. How much longer are we going to keep squeezing this excuse out? Yeah, I, 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 I think it's well past time where that's a that is a viable excuse because yeah, I get that everybody's working from home, but everybody's got computers, everybody's work you know got work computers, and yeah, I'm sure it's it's tough, you know, I got all these separate projects and you got to piece them together, but that's really not much different from working in an office. Everybody's still using. They're different computers. Now, granted, they're on the same network, but yeah. I was going to say, well, working from home is how we got those GTA 6 leaks, actually. Somebody saved it on a home server. Oh, yeah, and that guy came in and, you know, like, finagled the password or whatever to the mm -hmm. guys. It's not Discord, but it's it's one of those, like, Discord-like apps that businesses Yeah, same with Slack, yes. Yeah, that's it, Slack. Um, but, yeah, I wonder, <laughs> talking about the... the uh, like the Ubisoft doubling down on Assassin's Creed because they're you know they losing money on these other projects. I wonder if EA is kind of. I I wonder if they're like a little bit ahead of Ubisoft in that same same journey where it seems mm. like you know EA they've always they've had their big shooters and they've always done pretty well, but they also had uh, they had they had other games and other studios. You know, and some of them did very well, but a lot of them did not. And but they've always had Call of Duty. You know, they've always, or excuse me, they have bat EA's Battlefield. Um, but they've Battlefield's done well enough where it seems like EA's they're kind of getting back into the uh, you know the the other genres. They're you know they're talks about all the, you know they're doing these remakes and like Dead Space they and whatnot and. They, they've been doing, well, you know what they fucking did is they finally, heaven forbid, listened to what fans want. Briefly, the FIFA was always their big moneymaker. They've lost the FIFA license last year, so they have to make their own soccer game. I don't know how well that'll do. 
as a person who only plays FIFA games when they come to EA Game Pass, I don't really care about that either way, and I don't buy card packs, which is the big money maker. Money maker. It's like NBA 2K, you know. You spend real money to get a fucking player with better stats. Mm-hmm. Waste of money. But it makes money. It's a waste of money, but it makes money. Um, so EA, you know, a very long time ago, because the original Mass Effect series came out in the 360 PS3 era, and there were, if we towards the end of the PS4, Xbox One era, they were like, okay, fine, we'll have remasters of these older games. And it sold, you know, whatever your personal feelings may be. They sold very well. And they're like, okay, what if we did a Dead Space one? Because that's another property we haven't used in forever. But we're going to totally remake that one. And we didn't talk about that since the last show. But uh, yes, I can confirm that, in fact, the Dead Space remake was better than Callisto Protocol. You can conf- confer this? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I can confirm that. It All right. Indeed. It sold very, very well. So it's likely they're going to do further things into the Dead Space franchise. They lost, EA lost their Star Wars license, but they're making like three more Star Wars games. So I don't know how the lost license actually happened, whether it hasn't like occurred yet. Like they acquired the license before and started making uh, the Fallen Order sequel, Jedi Survivor, before the license expires. I, I don't know. Nobody else is making fucking Star Wars games. They canceled like two or three. Uh, Star Wars is another whole mess I don't want to talk about today, but. Yeah, they probably, I would guess they have something in the contract that states that they can keep working on this game and then whatever yeah, but i would i would agree with you that ea is probably ahead of the curve where ubisoft is heading it's like square enix is about to bottom out ubisoft is bottoming out ea may be back up on the rise who knows yeah because they're currently they're it seems like they're using these remakes and remasters as you know kind of test us like a focus group but they're you know it's millions of people in this focus group <laughs> they're just you know trying what? to gauge who? interest in these old franchises all we have to do, Stacey, we don't have to look far. Look to Capcom. Uh, Capcom was in, I don't want to say in the dirt. They weren't bankrupt or anything. But there was such a negative connotation about Capcom for years. And they turned it around with one game. A remake. They made so much money off Resident Evil 2 Remake. And they made a third one. Whatever you think of three. Four is about to come out. They're going to make even more money on that. And they're using that money to fund alternate projects. Street Fighter Six is absolutely being backed because of Resident Evil. Devil May Cry 5 came out around the same time. It's like they're putting out things people want. And what do you fucking know? It makes them money. It's like magic. And they're using that to finance, you know, things that might not make money like Exo Primal. Yeah. Well, what's, uh, what's, oh, speaking of Exo Primal, I actually was getting that mixed up with Ark Survival the other day. That's why I was so, uh, I was <laughs> like, that hadn't come out. Well, I thought it did. Anyway. Um, but it's funny because, you're right about Capcom. They they are they're uh, they are seen to be on the rise again, and they 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 have really uh, public opinion has you know shot up. But mm-hmm. I don't think they're really doing anything different. I think they're doing the same practices that got them in trouble to begin with, where they were just monetizing everything, and they were it was it was just constant, just like tons of DLC of cosmetics and shit, and just piecemealing piecemealing this content uh throughout their games that a lot of fans didn't like and they're still doing that you know street fighter still has a crap ton of dlc the every character stage costume costs money and it's the same with other their other titles too there's always pre-order bonuses for every upcoming title and there's always 
some costume DLC that gets released or what what have you, yeah. but yeah. it's it's the actual it's the base games themselves that have they they seem to have improved vastly on, and I think that's bought them a lot of goodwill. Mm. Whatever we think of any individual games, you know, I don't. I think the only new Capcom game that is sold badly was probably Resident Evil Three Remake. Um, I don't say badly. You know, it still made money, but you know, it didn't hit the heights of Two or even Village. Village Village sold what eight million units or something like that, right? It was quite a bit. I don't think it ever reached ten million, but it uh, it meet it it met their expectations. It, yes, it for would sure. Have, it would have not have met Square Enix's expectations. No, it would not have met Square Enix's expectations. But it did very well for Capcom. So that's what you need to look at is like, okay, maybe their business practices in terms of nickel and diming are not great, but you know, we both are going to play Resident Evil Four. Um, and we'll probably play whatever they do next because they've maintained a track record of good game really for me it's like devil may cry that really turned them around but um it's like they, they've got this figured out finally they're like okay the, the franchise is what keeps us alive it's what makes us money you know we didn't we never talk about this here because we don't give a fuck monster hunter is really their big money maker people adore monster hunter game. i don't i think it's boring but yeah whatever um so they put out a ton of monster hunter content too there's also little costumes and chat and stuff you can buy and it's on all the platforms and there's updated versions constantly of a game that came out like four years ago. And that, it, but that seemed to be what they were making their money on years ago was they were just, it was Monster Hunter and Street Fighter. And then they were just stringing fans along, customers along <laughs> with this just occasional cosmetic packs or bullshit like that. Mm-hmm. But now they're actually coming out with these really, really good, solid games in their own right. Yeah. And it's, it's honestly, not only do they have Resident Evil 2 Remake to thank, they also have the RE engine to thank as well, because <laughs> that seems to be one of the most versatile engines in the in the industry at this point. There's, there's been s- several very different styles of games that run flawlessly on that engine. And mm-hmm. Yeah, kudos to them for developing that in, in the lab, and it's helped turn their studio, uh, the, their company around. So why can't these other companies figure this out? What is preventing Square Enix from releasing a hit game that people love and sells well? What is preventing Ubisoft from doing the same? EA, you know, it's the, the long meme of EA being the worst company, and I think that fucking goes back all the way to, like, Mass Effect 3. And people still think that because of the FIFA stuff. It's like, they're really not as bad as people pretend they are. But I, there's a absolute fuck ton of hate on Ubisoft and Square Enix on Twitter specifically on the internet in terms of, like, the zeitgeist of what's popular. And I don't know how either of these companies turn them turn around. I'm not going to pretend to know, because I'll buy, I'll play whatever jank, for God's sake. Well, I, I think the current day method of, of uh, nickel and diming, it seems to be uh, live service games. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. Marvel Marvel's Avengers was another title that did not meet Square Enix's no. expectations. Oh, Babylon's Fall, yeah, that already got shut down, yeah. Yeah, it, uh, yeah what, after a year of being online, mm-hmm. something like yep. that? And I think, and we haven't talked about this on, we've talked about this off-air, but these, uh, a, a lot of these companies are really, really losing their ass asses off these live service games because, surprise, surprise, not every game can be Fortnite and make billions and billions of dollars and just absolutely 
skyrocket your company to the very top. This is something I've learned in terms of, I don't want to talk about that stuff on, on our podcast here, um, but like YouTuber people who cover movies and TV company stuffs, it's like what CEOs are hopefully learning now is that you can't just chase the popular thing because it takes so long to come out. And I was like, oh, that's popular. Make one of those when you're disconnected. So I'm wondering if the heads of, well, actually, I know for a fact that the head of Square Enix is disconnected because he's not talking about making, you know, whatever you think about Final Fantasy VII. He's not talking about making more Final Fantasy VII. He's not talking about making more Dragon Quest. He's not talking about trying new original ideas like for Spoken, even if they don't work out. He's talking about making NFT blockchain games. That's his priority. It's like, you're so disconnected from what your fan base wants. It's like, how can you turn this around? And it's so funny because they could just, they could, Square Enix could just go the easy route and just make a remake of every Final Fantasy title that's ever been under the sun. <laughs> Do what Capcom's doing, yes. Yeah, and, and they, would, they would probably be golden. Now, you could make a, now you could make the claim, uh, rightfully so, that it would be ex- extremely lazy and we're not getting any, get anything new, but it would make the money. But I heard it, that about Resident Evil 4 remake and Dead Space remake. Uh, yeah, but but yeah, these, the, the the his obsession with these blockchain games, which I have, I have absolutely very little idea what those are even. But they just it just sounds like new internet scam of the day. It sounds like a way for Square Enix to make money and for me as a player to not have fun. Yeah. Yeah, with yeah, try to make as much money as they can with as minimal amount of effort or development time as possible. And see, but when uh, you and I complain about CEOs, the average Twitter person, you know, I use this as a pejorative, the average Twitter person will blame the game itself or the developers. Like uh, the guys who made Atomic Heart and Munfish, they're not technically Russian, but they're Russian. And currently Russia's going through some shit with another country we don't need to talk about here. But they, that company got a lot of flack and the game came out a little janky. They were like, ha, huh, I knew I shouldn't have bought that game. It was bad. It's like you're judging it after the fact based on you know, technical issues, which most of which have been fixed. And on a personal level, I played it and I enjoy it. It's like, I, I know what I'm getting into here. My tolerance level for janky video games is much higher than other people's. But, um, but I'm not, I don't even know who published Atomic Heart. I have no idea. I'd have to go look it up. Because I don't think about that kind of thing. So there's no pattern of behavior. There is a pattern with Square Enix. There is a pattern with Ubisoft where it's like, over and over we're seeing these canceled games and shut down IPs, and this didn't make enough money, and this didn't sell what we wanted it to. So what the end user sees is, like, stop, it stops at the game, right? It's like, oh, they released a broken game on purpose. They knew it was going to suck, and they did it anyway, so they could day one patch it. It's like, I honest to God, don't think, aside from, like, in, very tiny indie developers who put out games that take a day to make, people intentionally try to make a bad product. Uh, you do your best to hope you stamp out all the bugs, but you can't. Uh, fucking Capcom announced there's going to be a day one patch of Resident Evil 4 to fix a rain thing they couldn't fix before because the game's cold. There's nothing we can do about it now. So it'll have to be after the fact. But no one's going to complain about that. Yeah, you, in, yeah, a lot of those developers, they, they employ testers and quality assurance people, but there's only so many of them. And there's millions of fans that are going to play the game yes. and there's they're going to play the game they're going to have some of them are going to have different results and they'll be able to detect bugs and report them and then they'll get fixed that way so 
yeah, I'm, I'm, and we talked about this before. I'm glad we live in that age where de- uh, developers can can see all these issues with their game and are able mm-hmm. to uh, fix them in a very little very little time. So, and but uh, I, I, there is a lot of news and talk around Tom McCard, and it's it's actually it's actually been kind of nice seeing. Uh, a very unknown studio in their game getting a lot of attention and mm-hmm. I don't know what kind of budget they had I don't know if it's considered a triple A title but it's certainly not a not a triple A developer or publisher or anything no. or anything like that uh, I don't have sales numbers for that just yet but um, oh good personal level I, I like it. it's not it's definitely not a for everyone game something similar to I think, you know, you've had your issues with it, but I think something like in the style of Forspoken has a wider appeal as opposed to something like Wanted Dead or Atomic Heart, which has, I think, a narrower appeal. It's like not every gamer is going to like this kind of game. You know, I think, honest to God, every gamer could basically like Hogwarts Legacy even if you don't like Harry Potter. There's enough of a good game in there. I don't know that there's enough of a good game in Atomic Heart for me to recommend, like, say, you play it. Um... I'll let you know. It might happen. It could be fucking great. I've only like five hours in. Well, uh, honestly, I would I would say Tom McCart's probably got more appeal than Forspoken, just for the virtue of being a first person shooter. <laughs> I seem to be I, I seem to be hearing more about it now. Yeah, a lot of that is the robot twins. Yeah, there's a lot of I don't want to say negativity. You know, uh, in my YouTube circle, a lot of people dunk on the the dialogue again, and it's kind of tiresome to hear. What, what I've heard over and over is the phrase Marvel humor. And it's like, okay, well, what does that mean? It's like, you mean like Phase 4 Marvel where they tell a joke every two seconds? And people are like, oh, no, I started with Joss Whedon in 2012 with Avengers. It's like, Joss Whedon didn't invent comedy. He didn't invent self-referential comedy. If Frey tells a joke, it's not because they stole it from Marvel. It's because they thought that was a joke in the time. And I'll be fair about Forspoken again for a second here. The A lot of the shit she says just ain't funny. But I don't know that it was supposed to be funny. It was like self-referential. Two things about Forspoken. I want to wrap this up here. I meant to I meant to say this 20 minutes ago, but I got sidetracked. I'm sorry. Um, I think a major issue is uh, technical on the part of the actor and technical on part of the capture. The actress, uh, Ella Belinska, is a beautiful lady. She's fucking gorgeous, okay? They don't translate that very well into the game. I don't think she looks one-to-one for her, her real-life model. Yeah, because I've seen I've seen some images, and when I was playing the game, where it was like, wow, she's really good looking. And then there was others where it's just, gosh, she looks like a completely different person. <laughs> also, she's British, she's English, and she's trying to do a New York Brooklyn style accent, and it slips all the time. I can hear it slipping. You know, we've had this conference off here. I can hear accent slippage. I heard it a ton in Hogwarts. So not everyone in Hogwarts Legacy is British, but uh. Oh yeah, like, no, she's awful. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I knew like, like right from the first two sentences she said, she's yeah. I knew she wasn't a New Yorker. <laughs> it's hard for Americans to do New Yorker accent. Mine always turns into a Boston accent. So, so you wonder why whoever Luminous, I don't know, told her to do it that way. And it's like, man, why did you even have this person? Because she was in that Charlie's Angels reboot that nobody saw. I, was like, ah, I don't know. <laughs> Oh, she, yeah. was in that Resident, she was in that Resident Evil Netflix show that nobody saw. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, yeah, I'm not going to bat for first point. I'll say I'll have fun. I can't say everybody should play it, although I think it has wider appeal than something like Atomic Heart. Wanted Dead is, man, that's an acquired taste. Wanted Dead is like, 
It's like a pseudo fifty one game, but Itagaki's trying to do it. Does that make sense? Yeah, if you played a action game during the three sixty era, then yeah, it it, it looks it, like it's what that would appeal to. It me. looks and plays like a game from a ten years ago. Seriously. And some people say, Oh, that's its greatest appeal, and I can certainly see that. But it also has the on purpose trappings of a game from that era in terms of like difficulty spiking and checkpointing and mechanics. Like actual shooting mechanics. So you wonder if, like, okay, so did they do this on purpose? Like a Pseudo-51 game? It's like, you know, Pseudo-51 who made the No More Heroes games and other stuff. He's like, I put bad shit in my game on purpose to piss people off. He's known to have said this. He's like, I just do it to be a dick. And it's like, wow, you can't do that in America. (laughs) But, oh, you know, he's a charming Japanese man, so we let him get away with things. He's like Hideo Kojima. He's just a charming goofball. We'll just take whatever he gives us. (laughs) Yeah, no, it's it's uh, it's it's funny. Yeah, all those Japanese developers and you know those directors that uh, just you know kind of get a, they've been getting away with one, what they want to do with, and they answer to no one and all that. And, mm-hmm. But they still they want to be Westerners. They want to they want to appeal to Western <laughs> audiences too. Yes, and that's what that's what Kojima is. We've talked about this before. Ad nauseum. Yes, yes. It's like he just wants to make movies in Hollywood. He was, wants to hang mm-hmm. out with Hollywood friends and. I don't know enough about the Studio 51 guy, but yeah, he kind of sounds like in the same vein as Kojima. Just kind of I, I, smell I his the, own farts up his own ass sort of kind of guy. Yes. His name is Suda Goichi, and Goichi in Japanese is 5-1, technically. So he calls himself Suda 51. Oh, um, very narcissistic of him. <laughs> Everybody calls him that. He, you know, Grasshopper Manufacturer made the No More Heroes games. So he's that kind of guy. I, I, I think I said this a long time ago. I was like, Suda51 really wants to be Hideo Kojima. And Swery65, who's a different Japanese guy who goes by numbers, really wants to be Suda51. Itagaki really wants to do whatever he wants, and you got to do that with Wanted Dead. He's like, I'm going to do whatever I want. And just, incidentally, even though that game is jank to fuck, that might be the game you enjoy the most personally because you've played games like that before. It's on my queue, and... Yeah, I just watched one trailer of it, and I thought, man, this kind of takes me back to the, harkens me back to the good old olden days of the 360. I may give this a try. So I, my, what I was trying to get across, maybe I didn't make it all the way, but it's like, it's okay to like bad shit, and it's okay that it's bad. And bad, I think, you know, are you a critic? Are you a journalist? Are you someone who reviews games and needs to be completely objective to tell people this? then yeah, you should probably say if the thing is good or bad. But if you're a consumer, eh, make your own choices. I always encourage making your own choices. Which is why, to close this episode off, I started playing a game I never thought I would play ever, based on my own, you know, stuffy principles. God of War Ragnarok. I'm like two hours into it because of reasons we don't need to talk about. And you know what? It's fine. I'm having fun. There you go great (laughs) yeah uh i think it's okay to like bad games too because hey you need something to fill the time in before the next major title comes out not every not everything can be triple a double plus ultimate and i I think this is true of every medium by the way because as as we've discussed in this episode these publishers are seem to have a hard time yes uh they're you can only release so many triple a titles every year and they don't seem to be they don't seem to be really enjoying the the 
dividends they're seeing from these other lesser titles. So I'm I'm glad that studios that I I forget the name of the one that did Atomic Heart. I'm glad those guys are popping up and they're getting attention, whether it's good or bad, because it's mm-hmm. it's getting people interested, you know, seeing the game and maybe get interested in it and maybe give it a try. Yeah. You could argue whether or not this is a bad thing, but a lot of times when you're playing something like Atomic Heart, when you're like, man, the sequel to this is really going to be good because they're going to figure shit out. I don't think that's a bad game. I think that's a bad thing. I think that's just being hopeful. And <laughs> it's uh, I, I, it'd be cool if they were able to make a sequel to that. And uh, I mean, I haven't played it, so I don't know. I mean, I, I may hate it and not want a sequel, ever think about it again. <laughs> but... I've, I've thought that about games, too. Heck, um, I'm playing a game now, Octopath Traveler 2, where I played the first game just a couple of years ago, and I really enjoyed it. But there were some there were some big things, big issues I had with the game, and I thought, man, I think they can... It's I don't think it'll take a lot, and they can iron this stuff out. And, you know, no spoilers for that. I think they have, for the most part. I, I think it's the sequel is, is head and shoulders above the original game, and isn't that what we want in our sequels isn't that all yeah. we hope for it we yeah. don't always get it yeah so i thought you were about to by the way say a bad game you enjoy and you said octopath i was like what 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 I was like, oh no you you didn't <laughs> no i mean I, that was the most current example that i could think yeah. of of a game's sequel improving right. everything on the right. original now i've i've played other bad games that where i thought you know there's some good stuff in this game and maybe they can you know, hammer this out for the sequel or whatnot. What's the last bad game you enjoyed, if you can think of it? Honestly, this is going to sound crazy. Mm-hmm. But we were, because, and we're, this is another Square Enix game, but honestly, I enjoyed Marvel's Avengers. I think there's a good game. I think there's a buried really, there, yeah. I think there's Under a the really cosmetics. good game. <laughs> yeah, I think there's a really good game buried in there behind the, underneath the cosmetics and all the, uh, just generic hub missions and just all the life service crap and the bad characters, um, just mainly one. But uh, <laughs> I thought, yeah, I, I I really thought that was well, that was the game that I think life service just kind of ruined it. I think if they just you know, they just for just set that shit aside and they just concentrate on making it a good co-op, almost got a shooter, a co-op game. <laughs> Then I think it would it would have been so much better and it would have been nearly, uh, nearly put through the ringer like it it was when it was released. And unfortunately, it looks like, um, not to drag this on too much longer, but it looks like another game, another co-op game is unfortunately maybe going that same route, uh, with the Suicide Squad. But we'll have to. Well, we'll have to wait and see on that. Yeah, we'll have to keep an ear to the ground. But uh... the previous the previous have not been overly positive, even from us two. But uh, in, in terms of like superhero stuff, I think gaming is sim. I always try to differentiate them, but they're similar in this aspect. Not every movie can be Captain America: Civil War. Sometimes movies are Iron Man two. Not every game can be Hogwarts Legacy. Sometimes it's Forspoken. You know, it's just bleh. It's just a thing. That doesn't mean it's the worst shit ever, Twitter. Calm your tits. Yeah, and I think it's another... Well, it's another issue that social media has exacerbated. And yes. Because nobody likes nobody likes wasting their money or their time. 
and we, you know, people have done that for their whole lives. But back before Twitter, if you bought a get bad game and you didn't like it, you just thought, okay, that sucked, and you moved on with your day. You may <laughs> you may tell your brother or your friends or whatever, but yeah, now you just go online and you just you just just roast the damn thing to everybody. You, who you'd be listen. a shithead on YouTube and say, I played black game, so you don't have to. Uh, is it really that bad? It's like, you've already told your audience what you think in the title, jackass. Yeah, you don't have to, I don't have to listen to your 15 minute video mm-hmm. to know your opinion on it. But yeah, I, back when I had a PS2 and I, I bought a game. I was interested. It looked interesting. Called Magna, Magna Carta Two. I oh played. Oh my god! Not Magna Carta again. I played. Uh, I played a few hours of it, and it sucked. <laughs> and I returned it. You told that was Magna Carta One. Okay, I love Magna Carta Two. That's a fucking great game on the 360 that never got forwarded. No other entries. Magna Carta Two is great. I can't say speak anything about the first one. All right. Yeah. We've sorry. We've been talking I about meant, this for ten years. I meant one. Yeah. Well, I'm going to talk about it again, okay? You just got the deal. Uh, you ain't going to cut it out either. I'll know. No, it's, it's good <laughs> shit. Um, final word on Forspoken, for all my positives, I was so positive on Callisto Protocol for about five hours, all right? And then I fucking hated it. So it's entirely possible this game will sick. Hey, if you could, if you could just beaten the blast boss, you probably would have loved Callisto Protocol. Ah, uh, no, I'd still be, I would have been, no, I would have been less angry, for sure. <laughs> I'd have the same opinion, just been less mad. Well, there are plenty of times, uh, this might be another topic, but like, where I've beaten a game and been upset, it's like, I'm so angry I beat this game. But uh, as we said during our best of the year show, it, that's happening less and less because I'm not, I'm just not bothering to finish games I hate anymore. I used to do that all the time. I was like, I fucking hate this game, but I'm going to finish it. No, I'm not going to let it beat me. And then it's like, well, Bloodborne came around. I was like, nah, never mind. Yeah, I did that with Dark Souls too. I didn't, I, I didn't love that game by any stretch, but I thought, no, I'm gonna beat this. Yeah, yeah, I'm just not gonna <laughs> let it win. <laughs> and I don't know if I've ever been angry when I by beating a game. I've been indifferent when beating a game before. Oh, sure, sure. But uh, I, I, I'm struggling to think of a time where I was actually angry <laughs> that I beat a game. Uh, Anywho. Maybe Wo Long will be that. The other Dark, the Neo style game from Team Ninja. Yeah, I don't know. I wasn't. I played the demo. I wasn't hate. I didn't hate it, but I, I, I wasn't sold on it either. So hmm. I don't know about that one. So we won't be doing a show on that. Uh, the next one probably will be about Resident Evil 4 Remake. That's coming up real soon here. Yeah, less than two weeks. I'm already angry at how much Luis there is in the game. There's too much Luis, I say. Too much Luis and not enough Ada. Well, there should be plenty of Ada. Hmm. We hope. Playable, playable Ada. They're gonna put in stick in separate ways. Uh, I hope. Yeah, if it's not a separate mode, then I hope they integrate her, her sections into the main game. That that would be nice. I think some of the later entries of Resident, because they they re-released that game eighty times. I think some of the later entries of Resident Four uh, added separate ways into the main game. I didn't know that. Um, thank you for listening. Even though we just dismissed social media, please follow us on social media. Uh, I am at Loki Jerson. Yes, and I am at the Joe Stizzy. 
This podcast is available on internetsource.com, iTunes, Apple Music, and Spotify, wherever great times are had. Uh, Thank you once again for listening. Goodbye. Yes, bye.